Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna be really emotional. There is no loss for being honest. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. The responsibility we feel towards the world, like questioning, challenging, say something. Raw and vulnerable and open conversation. That was the best part. I'm scared of the friendship. Taking a breath. Just talk. Shame and guilt. Vulnerabilities. <laughs> that was about to be What does it really mean to be friends? We trust the real work that we do is overcoming our insecurities every day and learning how to love more. It has examples of the change we want to see in the world. Just talk. taking a breath. So if we just take a breath. Well, my face is on fire from the doctors. <laughs> To have healthier relationships with women, they need healthier relationships with other men. The real work of life is the work that we do inside ourselves. So I'm in an open relationship with my husband, and my husband and I sold our house ten months ago. We have twins that are four years old, we travel around the world, and this is my boyfriend. Hi! <laughs> Perfect! Hi. Hi, welcome to Amory, where it's our intention to bring more love into this world, one vulnerable conversation at a time. Today's topic is coming out, and many of you have asked us how, just our stories, how did we come out? Was it hard? Uh, did we face any judgment? How did we feel about that? And uh, I'm so happy to share this episode today. Marty, Kyle, and I share our own personal experiences, which are all very different considering we have different relationships with our family and different concepts and different fears that perhaps hold us back. And uh, this one, we hope, will bring you more confidence in your own process of coming out if you choose to do so. As always, thank you for joining us on our journey of the, all of these crazy life lessons that we've been learning. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another episode of Amory. So on this episode, we're going to be talking about the I guess the process of coming out, we can use those words, although I'm a little hesitant in using the words coming out because I don't, I really want to draw a distinction between practicing polyamory and being polyamorous. And I'm a little hesitant in using the words coming out, but I think that's the closest thing that we can kind of language wise what we have when we tell people in our lives that are close to us that we have multiple loves. Marty, you have a thought. I think that we came out and the process of coming out uh, shouldn't be isolated to any sort of group. If you're hidden in any way, shape or form and you need to express yourself fully, then you're coming out mm -hmm. and the experience has overlap and it's different for everybody mm -hmm. and it's difficult for certain people and easier for other people. And it depends on really who you're around and what your background is and what you're coming out about and where. So I don't know. I think I'm going to put it out there on the other side of the table mm, and say, I'm not hesitant to say we came out because I had the experience of coming out. So that was my experience when we first went through it. And when, I remember when I did the Facebook post and I shared it, it was like, hey, I'm coming out. And then afterwards, I reconsidered because I felt like a little bit that was taking away from people where they're sharing their sexual orientation versus sharing a relationship status. So I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still questioning on that. For me, it felt like coming out as well. And I haven't had to, to come out as 
uh, with any kind of shift in my sexual orientation or that way. It was, yeah, it was very much like a coming out process, but I don't know. I wondered if I'm taking away from our, our friends that have come out with sharing information about their sexual orientation. That's the only reason I hesitate. Kyle, what do you think? Well, it's like, were you born polyamorous? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I know, that's why I'm So there's sure. a question. Yeah. And I recently, though, here's the reason I use, I, I'm tentative to use the words coming out because there was, we, we receive a lot of messages. Thank you. Thank you, people on Instagram uh, for reaching out to us. And we received a, a message from a, a younger person. And the way that they talked about being polyamorous was kind of like that. Like, what if, like, as somebody would ask themselves, well, what if I'm gay? You know, it's like, oh, well, what if I'm poly? And I, I think that almost does this a disservice to consider that way, because I think we haven't really drawn the distinction of polyamorous as a relationship structure, which is something that I think many people, if not everyone is capable of loving more than one person at a time, but they may not choose that relationship structure. So I think that that's where I want to draw the line, because I don't think you're just kind of born like, oh shit, what if I'm poly? You know, it's not, <laughs> hopefully they don't have that reaction. Just like, I don't want to have people that love the same sex that they're like, oh shit, I'm gay. That's like not a, that's not the orientation that I want to have in this conversation, but I want to draw the line for our younger folk that, yeah, that this is about a, a choice in relationship structure. I think what sucks is that this process of coming out for everybody is like coming out for someone of a, a different sexual orientation is you're coming out about how you have sex. Right. Or how mm -hmm. you love, which is no different sure. for how we love in the sense that I, my stepbrother came out and 21 years old to me, but not necessarily the whole family until later. Right. And then now, now he has a rule. It doesn't come out unless he's asked. Right? And then he's just fine with it. And I had a deep conversation with him. I have permission to talk about mm -hmm. this, but, but I have a deep conversation with him about, you know, my experience and, and how it overlaps with his experience, as well as other gay friends of mine, who I've also said, look, I feel incredibly privileged mm -hmm. because coming out doesn't really hurt me. And it's not just because I'm a straight white male, well, I'm half white, straight half white male in my socioeconomic class. And it's mm -hmm. also because I have an estranged part of my family and my other family knows I'm crazy. And I, I own my own company. I'm in no threat. My mm -hmm. clients know I'm nuts. Like, no, like I don't really have any risk. Mm -hmm. So coming out for me wasn't a risk to my life. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in some communities yeah. coming out is any sort of anything other than straight. It's a privilege coming out. Let's yeah. say. Yeah. It's a privilege it's, coming it's, out. Which is quite different from what a lot of people experience. And I think we had the privilege to, to do this the way that we wanted to do it in a safe way. And we received a lot of support, which I think we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it's it's a different experience. So what we're feeling is we want to appreciate that difference. Yeah. But for vocabulary's sake, you know, I think a lot of people are like, they define it as coming out. And yeah. a lot of people have come to me and, and talked about your my coming out. And I haven't yeah. even really, I, I don't always, I didn't even label myself polyamorous for a long time, which I think I do now. <laughs> I think I still do. I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Yeah. Until we change it. Technically, I am. So, but yeah, I think the the whole coming out part, people have, have talked to me about that and it did happen, but I think I wasn't as conscious of that decision. I was like, all right, let's just do this. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to think about it. That was kind of, 
<laughs> that was the front end of my yeah. experience was like, all right, we're going to do this. Let's do it. Yeah. I, we will definitely share our, we're going to call them coming out stories only for lack of a better word or language. But I still, I'm like one last point before I move on. I think we use the words coming out only because it is coming out against the norm. And that's we're coming where out to we come, the, yeah. we're coming out to the norm, the yeah. norm population. Well, and one of the part of this is that we, that one, a lot of the messages that we get are about how people relate to us and how they're grateful for this conversation being out and normalized mm -hmm. because they are in a process where they're hidden mm -hmm. and they can't come out. Mm -hmm. They can't communicate their love. And we've talked about this before. If you're not out, some part of you is held back. Mm -hmm. Totally. Right? And it might be your heart, your spirit or something, but there's some part of you that might be held back from that because you can't be fully seen. And what do people want? Yeah. But to be expressed. seen. Expressed. Yeah. And can expressed. We, can we call it that then? So, no, like in this sense, like there's also this other part where a lot of people who are coming out as identifying as in a polyamorous structure are also coming out as bi or yeah. gay or in another circumstance. Agreed. So like in this sense, in the, in the context of this conversation, it's about any type of coming out. And if we're really doing the service that I believe that people are telling us we're doing is we're having a conversation of our experience of it so that it can be out there in the world. So mm -hmm. other people can learn from it. So why not be called coming out? So I agree. And when people share, let's say they're getting divorced, do they have, do they call that coming out? When they share no, that they're, that's normal. I know, so, <laughs> <laughs> or when they share that they're getting married, is that those are changes in relationship structure? And what I ultimately, where we're headed with this conversation, the whole reason we record this is that we'd like to normalize different relationship structures, and I think that that's what this is. Hopefully, at some point, we won't even need the words coming out for any type of sharing of self-expressed living. Okay. We want to normalize <laughs> you know, love. Let's normalize love. And what Kyle said in one of the last episodes was love who you want, how you want. Love is love. Yes. So even the words, we're going to use the words coming out, or maybe I could say being self-expressed, being not being hidden, being open, being honest, being authentic, whatever you want to say. You do you, babe. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I want more language. I think that's what I'm saying. I would like more language to describe this process. And uh, I feel very limited sometimes in the language that we have to express a lot of the things that we experience practicing polyamory, really. I second that in needing more language, but I also from a person who deeply studies language and loves etymology and origins of words and things like that, that I think we all as a human race need to use language more appropriately mm -hmm. and more accurately and more thoughtfully because it has power and it has impact yeah. and, and one vocabulary word differently can mean a lot more. Mm -hmm. And I agree with your consideration and I appreciate your consideration, but I'm, I came up. <laughs> okay. so let's, let's share those stories kyle any final words before we head into sharing our own i'm still in stories? shock that i'm out right now <laughs> are you yeah, yeah. why I, I mean so i guess things are moving fast i've never said that i came out i've never said that out loud mm -hmm. and even thought about it i mean i'm not shocked but i'm yeah it's it's almost like unbelievable for me to be living a life that is mm -hmm. so against the norm that, that there is that type of uh, vocabulary usage. Yeah. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, which it's is funny because you me. led the charge, really. This was a year ago. Why did I do Over that? A year I don't ago. Remember. 
I, well, I know. I remember. Yeah, I know why you do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is how Kyle does it. <laughs> Kyle's like, ooh, I'm a little nervous about that. We're going to fucking do it. And he just does through it. the wall. Yeah, I'm going to run through. There's no wall. It's like the fucking Matrix. Like no, there no. Is, the trick is there is no spoon. No, this was what he used to do with the mountain. We were driving in Spain, and he'd be like, "That mountain's taunting me. That mountain. Yeah. I, I see you. I get, I'm gonna, I'm gonna climb mountain. up that. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I'm going. So that's it. You're like recognize the limit, the barrier, and you're like, I'm coming for you. And I don't know if anybody else experienced it this way, and I'm not telling my whole story yet, but I was more afraid of you two coming out because of how it was going to impact me. And not about me coming out to my community. Yeah, you because were... the rigid... <laughs> I feel like you were... I, I felt your protective spirit a bit. Where you're like, kind of, you know, like, okay, yeah. Megan, if you really need to share this, and you can, but... Part of it was protective, and part of it was expectations. And certain parts of your family fulfilled my expectations. Yeah. Because it gave them more fuel to hate me more, which I thought was... Pretty high already. <laughs> so, you know, we raised the bar. Hmm. No. So, yeah, we will get to family. I, I'm, uh, I had like a little nervous blip happen in my stomach when you said family, because I know that we're going to share. This is part of the explanation of us sharing this information with our friends and family. Yeah. So. Is your family this, even listening? Uh, probably not. <laughs> no, really. Let's go back to Kyle. You know hey, They're not on this podcast, so they can't listen to themselves. <laughs> but I, no, it's not about me feeling how I feel about that. But yeah, I want to go back to Kyle because you really led the charge here. And I remember so, the moment. Well, I, I'm now reflecting back. So the big moment for me was telling my mom. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, my I think my mom told my dad shortly thereafter. That's how it usually works in my house. But... <laughs> Put it on the bulletin board in the kitchen. <laughs> right. Yeah. A, a sticky note. So, but I told my sister first, mm-hmm. which was actually, I think, six months before that. Mm. And I was drunk. And I think Kai as well. I needed both the, both <laughs> substances to get me over the edge. And I remember telling her. And of course, my sister is my number one fan. And she was had a lot of questions, mm. but she was supportive. How did you tell her? I think I just blurted it out. I, I wasn't very composed. It was like two or three in the morning having pizza and being really <laughs> So I'm in love with a woman that's married and has kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's not cheating on him, he knows, and we're yeah. all cool with it. <laughs> well, the funny part is when you when you start telling people, you tell them one way, and then you uh-huh. quickly <laughs> learn that, that you need to say certain things first. Yeah. And be and ha- yeah, when yeah. I, I think I first said it, you know, it was like, oh, Megan and I are together, and, and like, and she's also still with Marty, and being like, all right, let's just back up. Mm-hmm. So Megan and Marty are together; they're good. Mm-hmm. And then they opened up their marriage, and then I was connected to Megan through that opening, and <laughs> and I think that was kind of the way I started telling it. So yeah, I mean, that telling my siblings was really big. Having their support was. Obviously, that's where I started, which I think was the better place to start. And my mom was one I was really nervous about. I mean, this this is a longer story and I'll tell it as fast as I can. But I remember being in a yoga class and then becoming really emotional and kind of processing a lot of things and realizing that love has always been a tragedy for me. Mm. And, and I framed love as a tragedy and I always expected love to become a tragedy. And even in the early 
parts of our relationship, always expecting that this was going to go bad at some point. And a lot of people told me, don't fall in love with you. I think I've mm-hmm. talked about that mm-hmm. in, on the podcast before. And then, you know, kind of resisting then falling in love with you and then doing it anyway. <laughs> and then, and then talking about it. And I think going through that process, I, you know, I was in this yoga class experiencing all these feelings and then processing, okay, love doesn't have to be a tragedy. And then after going through that whole thing, still in the yoga class, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to tell my mom today. I'm going to see her in like an hour. And that started getting me like really uh, energized and emotional. And I remember being in the class and then I had, I mean, I don't know if you're spiritual or not or any, (laughs) I don't know where our listeners fall on the spectrum, but I was sitting in the class and my there was like two, I don't know if you know your chakras, mm-hmm. your, there's kind of your soul chakra, which is like in your, what is it? Your solar plex. Yeah, solar plex and below the belly. Below the belly. Yeah. It's like in your, uh, yeah, like your, your abdomen area. And then there's the heart chakra, mm. of course. I think everyone knows where that, <laughs> that one is. And both those chakras were tingling. And I had this just release of energy. I don't know what was happening. I just felt these, this powerful tingling. It was in my feet and my hands. And I was like, I'm going to tell my mom. I just knew it. And there was like this incredible release of knowing that I was going to do it, knowing that I was going to follow through with it, knowing that that was going to change a lot and just being free of, I had been hiding, you know, I've been hiding and I probably, you know, in that way I can empathize with what people feel, you know, being able to just fully realize who you are and you know, this is a huge part of my life. I, you were a huge part of my life, even mm-hmm. at that time. And being able to tell people about it and share. Yeah, that was something that was huge, a huge moment. I think it's important for our listeners to know that you have a close relationship <laughs> with your family, mm-hmm. like your mom. Totally. Yeah, I, I have a very close relationship with my family. Yeah, and I, and I hadn't told them. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been able to talk about it a lot. And I think yeah, it was like I had two separate lives and, mm-hmm. and I had two separate lives from my family and from my, you know, the rest of the world and, uh, and a lot of my friends as well, because I just didn't feel like anyone could understand. And mm-hmm. I think over time, there's been a lot of power in, in expressing what this is, you know, creating a bridge for people, having that whole experience where people like it, don't like it, project on you or mm-hmm. connect to it in some way or relate to it in some way or or they extend a hand in some way. And there's beauty and learning and, and pain and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, this whole process has been that way. And so kind of going back to my story, and I go out of the yoga class I, and I ended up seeing my mom, you know, an hour later and we were with my brother and I was sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to tell her I need a, I need a private moment with her. And we ended up, we were at my brother's uh, apartment and then we went down to her car and I remember, you know, having like a few moments where I was like, I can back out now. I don't have to do it. But uh, I was, I was convinced that I was going to do it. And so we got in her car and I was basically like, mom, I need to tell you something. Um, and I saw her face kind of go like, you know, tense. And then I just started talking and I told her, I mean, she had known who you were in my life. She knew you were a friend of mine but I kind of explained the situation and I just remember looking at her face and it was tense when I started talking and then it kind of released and it was very peaceful and calm. And that gave me kind of the confidence to finish what I needed to say. 
and at the end, you know, we were both kind of just crying and, mm. you know, it was, it was, uh, it was an incredible moment. And I think the biggest part of it was she was really happy that I was able to share with her. Like she was happy that mm -hmm. she got to see that part of my life mm -hmm. and she knew, she knew it wasn't easy to tell her that. And yeah, I think that was, that meant a lot to her. And, and I think that's kind of been the experience that I've had, which is, it means a lot to people when, when mm -hmm. you can connect with them on that level. And usually people will be respectful of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's not always the situation, which we, we can get into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was I'm very lucky. I'm very lucky. Yeah. My family is incredible. And yeah, they are. hopefully mm -hmm. they, they know that. <laughs> I was afraid of your family too. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of you too. Like, and I think this is something I want to interject. I'll let you tell your mm -hmm. story next, but mm -hmm. like for the married guy, I feel like sometimes I get the short end of the stick being like, you know, my partner said it, kind of, you've said it in the past. I've heard it before. Like, well, you're married. You have Megan as if yeah. you're an object. Number mm -hmm. one, number two, as if this is safe for me, mm -hmm. right? As if this isn't a huge risk in my life. But when your in-laws hate you, right? And your family, Kyle, accepts her and you. Mm -hmm. And you're the more ideal looking background person in Megan's life for Megan's family. It raises the threat for me. True. Right. The threat mm -hmm. of loss. And I'm not there now. I'm not threatened at all. But like in the beginning, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, great. You know, Kyle's going to come out. Megan's going to come out. I know what her family is going to do. Right. And then if they had a choice, they would choose you like that. Right. And if your family's not resistant and her family's not resistant, and then either one of you or your family start campaigning, which they've done, your side, mm -hmm. I have more resistance in my life than I had prior to all of this. So in a way, I think that's why I was hesitant to come out or have you guys like even probably resistant mm -hmm. to you coming out, which is almost more than probably protecting you. Mm. Yeah. There was a fear of loss there. Yeah, because yeah. from like a protecting you standpoint, like someone comes at you, I'll eat their no, face. No, so I, I felt more that <laughs> I felt that more when I when I came out publicly. That you were like, Okay, now watch out, people can have different reactions and you were like, I was more me. worried about yeah. your your well, how I would to it. Yeah. I'm not how, really worried about other no, people. No, no, no. How them. it's how I would how I would Take receive it. that. Yeah, yeah, which I understand. And I've I've learned and grown so much from that, but I, I don't want to get too far ahead. I wanna back up to kind of going back to that first round of, of sharing. And one other thing I will just finish with is that the coming out like peak is when you first do it. Right. And you kind of have this high of mm -hmm. it, it. I let a literal body high and body exp experience, but the process doesn't end there. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned over time is that some of the most challenging things come later, mm -hmm. even from the people, you know, people in my family, you know, we've had other conversations that were hard where mm -hmm. they're challenging me or they're questioning me or they're having their own thoughts and worries and friends and other people have brought the same thing to me. And I think just because they hear it and they, they accept it right off the, out of the gate doesn't mm -hmm. mean that they will always be there in that place, uh, supporting you and, and not questioning you. And I think, sure, it's not a bad thing to question, but I think as you said, campaigning is certainly one really 
toxic and terrible thing. And, and thankfully no one in my life has done any type of campaigning, but like campaigning against it or campaigning, campaigning against like it or trying to or... yeah mm-hmm. shift my mind into Didn't a you place. Have, like someone throwing an intervention for you though. Oh, that was, yeah. Um... Yeah. <laughs> that was maybe a little, a little Sorry, different. I, like coming... overshared. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've had a lot of experience. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences through this, through this process. I've had friends that were concerned about me and I think I've mentioned that a few different times where people are worried about me and they express worry and I'm at like the best point in my life <laughs> and people are, and the people that are worried are not seeing me. They are projecting their own yeah, thing mm-hmm. onto me. And Because were they worried when you were like on Wall Street as an alcoholic, like no, angry? No. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> no. No. Because that's normal. Yeah. That's normal, but you're happy now. That's the crazy What's part. Smashing beer bottles and getting in fights is normal. <laughs> but this is the crazy part, though, really, is like no. people get worried for you when you're like, hey, I'm at the happiest point of my life. Oh, my God, I feel in love and this is working and it flows. And then people are like, we're worried about you. It's like, shit, were you worried when I was hitting Depressed a wall and, and yeah. But here's the thing. See a future for myself. And- the, the part of that that I've discovered too is that they're not worried because you need them. Oh. And mm. and and sometimes that need is what they need. Interesting. And yeah. those those things have come up in my life in this process. And again, it's a yeah. learning process. All of this is really valuable. I'm grateful for it. But those are things that have happened as well. So let's highlight something for our audience. You will come out at one point and then you'll come out again and again, again and again and again and again and again. That's something mm-hmm. you just learned, Megan, yeah. and just became aware of is like, holy shit, you took like a constant process of coming out because yeah. the more people you meet and the more things that happen. And That's, so you get better at it. Yeah. Right? Like, Matt, we have the running joke of Megan walks in the room, stands up on a table. The and elevator pitch. Hi, I'm Megan. That's my boyfriend. That's my husband. I'm Paula Amherst. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm going to change that one. Hi, Megan. I have two partners that I love. Uh, yeah, there you go. We've upgraded. 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 Two, two partners. That's why it gets better. It gets just improves around. Exactly. Yeah, it's just, it's a continual process, which again, I, I'm going to call it something else. I'm going to call it sharing my truth. What a rebel. I know. I'm just the coming out and just, ugh. Okay. Sharing my truth. Sharing my truth feels right for me to call it that because it's, this is my experience my truth. My truth is I'm in love with two men and those men love other women. Um, and that's my experience. That's my truth. And I'm sharing it. So I'm going to use that. When I started sharing my truth was I kind of started with, I think a couple friends. I like tested out the waters to be because at that point I was so giddy. Really. I was like, my whole world was changing. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? How can I be in love with two people at the same time? It just, it was the paradigm of monogamy was shattering and I was replacing it with something else, but I didn't, I didn't really know about polyamory. I just knew that this was a strange, beautiful new world. And so I started sharing it with a couple people. And I remember sharing it with one, one person, one woman that I knew, uh, I wouldn't say close friends, but she was like, she was somebody that I knew that I felt safe with, you know? And when I shared it with her, she was like, oh my God, that explains so much. I'm single and I, I've made myself so wrong for not being able to just fall in love with one person. And it like in that moment, I saw reflected my reality in her, gave her this experience of not having to shame or wrong herself. And Amory was born. Yeah, and Amory was born. (laughs) (laughs) But it was so powerful. And I was like, oh my God, wait, this is, this is kind of like, 
this is real. And so that got the ball rolling. And then I shared it with more people. I hadn't tested out family yet. I didn't share with family until almost all of my closer friends knew. And uh, I didn't share with family until after Kyle had. And uh, I was just so impressed. And I definitely used your momentum in that area to consider sharing with my family. And I don't have super close relationships with my immediate family, not for out of a, a lack of wanting it, but I've always just felt maybe not, not totally understood. <laughs> and definitely because the relationship with Marty and my family is very strained. And I, <laughs> I, I no. I, I have <laughs> such is, a hard time. Asterix, I'm having a real hard time keeping my mouth shut. I know. <laughs> I don't want to use the words hate because I don't think my family hates you. I feel like they project a lot of their fears into our relationship. There's going to be a lot of compassion. The, the yeah. hate speech is not hateful, I guess. <laughs> no, I, it is hard. So when I started sharing, I think I shared with my brother first over the phone. He was, my brother's just kind of like, oh, whatever. If that works for you, it's all good. Like Your brother's like, one of my favorite I know, hippies, like so. hippie. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember my sister's reaction. It was also supportive, but kind of supportive in a detached way. Like, okay, that's kind of your, that's your thing. Marty's closing his mouth. Maybe he remembers something else that I, I don't remember. I, I tend to block things out as well. <laughs> if I, if they don't, they don't fit really well for me. I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just forget that. You know, my family's met Kyle. I remember. I think my sister was the first one to meet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can talk about meeting your family as well. And I think sharing with my mom and dad were the hardest. And I don't. Without going into details of the actual conversations, what what happened for me was in sharing with them, it just grounded in for me that this is my truth and my life, and this is how I'm choosing to live my life. And what I saw reflected back were their fears. So my parents are divorced. They, they got divorced when I was 15 or 16. Their relationship was not super healthy. Sucked. <laughs> yeah. Their relationship was not necessarily an exemplary relationship of, of love. I don't blame them. I think that they they did the best that they could and they had wounds that were not healed. And so there was a lot of shit there. I think they did not very good. Not even the best they could. Sorry. (laughs) I don't. Yeah, but I do. I do. Your parents, my parents, a lot of parents out there did not do the best that they could. Oh, that's questionable. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. Are people doing the best that they that they can? Do they want to? If there's intention there. Yeah, but I kind of think every generation does, really does the best that they can do with what they have, with the tools that they have and the context that they're living with the, their own emotional status and energy. Like I do, I do. I'm going to be optimist. I do believe everybody does the best that they can. Okay, I'll be the best. Yes, that's, that's our relationship. <laughs> I'm not a parent, so any criticism of parents. And you have parents is, that are together. Yes. Right. But, but for me also, I think criticizing parents, it's mm-hmm. like, a, it feels like a bad karma pot that I'm stirring, mm. like if I want to criticize mm-hmm. parenting. I think uh, right here is a good side note of like what I call polyagony, which yeah. is divorced parents that fucking fight. And mm-hmm. I had, I mean, you want to know the extremity of my divorced parents. They were so fucking horrible to each other that by the time I was 14 years old, I barred each one of them from saying each other's name or bringing it up in any sort of context. And if they did, and they pushed, I would go so far as verbatim saying, shut the fuck up to my parents mm-hmm. because it was unacceptable. It was torturous. Mm-hmm. So like for me, 
did my parents do the best that they could when it came to the divorce and behaving like adults? Fuck no. Fuck no. And I've had these conversations mm-hmm. with my dad. My dad did the best he could raising me. Yes. Did my mom? No. <laughs> you know, like. But I'm did they have you, intention to. I mean, putting you in between them. They is, weaponized is, me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to forgive that. Yeah. Yeah, and they, they, well. they, about they cheated, they lied, they weaponized me, they broke promises to a kid that was really going through a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a traumatizing experience mm-hmm. for me. So, for me, I'm not going to pull punches, right? I love my father. I'm close to my father now, and, and he's, he has done the best he can raising me. But my mother has literally asked me to commit suicide. So, like, there's another side of this coin. And I know a lot of our listeners have had my experience. Mm-hmm. I've heard from them having toxic parents or fucked up traumas in their life. So I, I'm going to represent mm-hmm. them yeah. on this podcast. We get that. And I think we have a good mix here of yeah. mm-hmm. close to the family, Kyle, <laughs> yeah. with parents still together, Megan with divorced family, and but so so relationships. So so relationships, and mine with like, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kyle. I wanted to take 60 seconds to tell you more about Amory's mission. One year ago, we started Amory with the intention to bring more love into the world. And now, with listeners in 47 countries, I think we're doing just that. But we want to do more, and we really appreciate your support in, in getting to that goal that we have, which is really to expand and share and normalize polyamory, but also improve relationships however they are in the world. So we're now in the process of creating a documentary. We're writing books. We're active on Instagram, supporting people. Uh, We're creating content on Patreon. There's so many ways that we want to continue to grow and connect with people and build this community. And we'd love your support and for you to be a part of that community. And the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com backslash Emory podcast and support us there at any level that works for you. We really appreciate you. Now back to the episode. (laughs) really and i think polyagony that's true and honestly that brings me back to even the core like my very core reason and if anybody listens to my solo episode on why are we why did we record emory why are we recording this and sharing it is to break that cycle because that polyagony that creates that trauma growing up that then just creates more patterns of trauma if if somebody doesn't break those so i feel i feel for the i guess the marty's of the world that were raised in that environment because I think the parents, those parents that created that, that agony or that those traumas also were suffering from traumas and also were raised in traumatic environments and also didn't have the tools or the skills and support or environment to, to break those patterns. Yeah. And I guess, I guess, uh, that I understand that trauma begets trauma, but I'm a parent now mm-hmm. and I'm like the PTSD from the body keeps score score. Mm-hmm. I'm like a six. And my life experiences and like seven is almost guaranteed heroin addict. I should be an alcoholic, abusive piece of shit if trauma begets trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. So to some breaking degree, the pattern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To some degree, because I'm breaking the pattern, yeah. I have less respect yeah. for those who didn't. Yeah. And it, it might be a self-righteous thing. It might be, it might be how I maintain my own personal power for myself mm-hmm. to not go back into it. Mm-hmm. And I certainly am not talking shit to people who are struggling with any sort of addiction or anything like they're going through. But the reality is if you were beaten or abused 
as a child and you grow up and have kids and you beat the fuck out of your kids. I don't have any fucking respect for you. Mm -hmm. None. Yeah. You embody the change. I think you represent the transformation. Just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, so when does the pattern the end? Because yeah. you didn't have the fucking tools. I wasn't given the tools. Yeah. I sought out tools. Mm -hmm. I sought out my own change because, because rationally beating the fuck out of your kids and growing up in polyagony and destroying the household is just not acceptable mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. I agree. And you have a friend that's a compassionate care bearer. Yeah. I've learned a lot <laughs> I, I of compassion. I served that up for you anytime <laughs> I, I, that you need it. I've learned a lot of compassion. So I have to oh, hold, my, I'll hold yeah. my ground over here. But I do hear you, Marty. Yeah. I yeah. honestly do. And yeah. I know yeah. I got, like, my first, the first girl, I, the woman I dated was, uh, told me I had razor blades if you got close to my wounds. I'm mm. like, yeah, I do. In mm -hmm. certain cases, I yeah. do. So you were right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they, they pop out every once in a while. Um, yeah. Which, so going back to how my family... <laughs> had perceived you in the past. And I, I will say had, because that was a previous version of you. That was before you've done, before you did a lot of this work, even they still perceive. So I know, way. I know that, but they don't know. And they haven't given you a chance because they perceived you from that. They, they made up their mind on how you were, how our relationship was. They, and then that was it. Then they wrote you off and I think they still have, and they, they haven't, I will say they have not given you another chance. They have not, they have not tried. They have not extended that olive branch. And they've they've kept that there. So if you're listening, I'm not asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear. Uh, I think it's hard for me because I, I do love my family. I wish to be understood by my family a little more. Uh, but part of the reason, it wasn't part of the reason that we left because I think we would have left anyway. But there was nothing really holding holding me to stay in that physical location. And I, after, so I shared, but with both my mother and my father right before we left for Brazil. So about a year ago, over a year ago. And it was like the week we left or the week before we left. And I was like, fuck, well, if I'm going to do it now, I might as well tell them. And then I'm, then we're flying out of the country for a while. So I don't give a shit. Back to the story. If I did see their fears, I think that when we, when someone, when I shared it, that I'm in love with two men, I'm still madly in love with Marty and I have this new love and I've, I've come across this concept of polyamory, which now explains the experience that I'm going through. The way that they reacted were, I think, with their their own fears of projections, which is now I know the common occurrence that when somebody, when they react, and I'll call it reacting because it's not, it's not acting from a place of neutrality. It's usually reacting from their own fears or misconceptions or whatnot. I understand that a lot more when I share with people now. It's like whatever question they ask, whatever the concern they bring up, I don't take it personally. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You're coming from there. <laughs> Marty's like, yeah, you still don't take it personally? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, how can you not take it personally when one of your parents, I won't name who, was upset that you now couldn't cheat on me and leave me because she not only didn't want you to fucking leave me, I guess. They wanted me to, to leave me, but wanted you to also hurt me in but, the process. But that was her own wound. Like, I that understand was her that. own... Uh, yeah, yeah we identified yeah, yeah, but like... Mm -hmm. I understand that mm -hmm. and I'm trying my best mm -hmm. to forgive that. But it also led into my fear, mm -hmm. which is they will campaign for the other person. And to, to that degree, they are a threat to my family, my kids, my, my unit with you, this group. They, it is an ongoing threat that I have to be aware of yeah. because mm -hmm. in our country, Good old land of lawsuits and DCFS. Mm -hmm. they can, they can, and this is where the real threat comes mm -hmm. into play for a lot of people. You're in a conservative place. So you got a batshit insane 
family member. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom could spring out of the fucking woodwork all of a sudden and be like, here's something I'm going to throw at you. And I have, I have fear about that this year. Mm-hmm. Right. This is yeah. two years in. We're not in the same country. Like I have this fear that like, I don't even know if she's alive or dead. And she could jump out and be like, surprise, here's some mm-hmm. shit you got to deal with. And it's not anything to do with anything she knows. But because she's related to me, she has some power mm-hmm. to cause like disruption in a life that I'm madly in love with. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy with where I'm at. And so, yeah, there for a lot of people, the threat is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I want to represent here for some people mm-hmm. is that for some of you, the threat is real. And I get that. And I, I'm compassionate <laughs> to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I and I want that represented. And this is why I also don't hesitate to say the words coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about for you? Mine was a joke. <laughs> so I'm crazy, as you mm-hmm. all might know, by episode 18, 19, whatever it is. Black sheep of the family. Black sheep of the family. But I'm the black sheep of the black sheep. So, like, <laughs> my father... It concentrates as the generations go. My uncle was like, you got the son that's just like you. Like, basically, like, screw you. You can't complain (laughs) to my dad because, yeah, he created the monster that I am in some ways. And Or the beautiful being. Yeah, look, a lot of people didn't Mm -hmm. think I was going to live to 18, including myself. So I, I lived life very risky. And actually, when I turned 21, realized I'm like, I don't really know what I had planned after this because I had never planned to make it that far. And so for me to my background, I got kicked out of my first high school. I graduated high school with a 1.71 GPA eventually, which I didn't even know you could graduate with that low of GPA, but I did it. <laughs> uh, I went to some community college right away. I moved out of the house 18 days after I turned 18. I got to uh, UIC in Chicago, not UFC. The, the dumber one, UIC, <laughs> UIC. Uh, yes. <laughs> the state one, right? Where you're the one. easiest one to get into, right? And I, I almost got kicked out because I had severe test anxiety and I was tutoring calculus and physics before I went into the finals. And then I panicked in the finals and then my calc final didn't answer anything. And uh, I got put on probation and I switched majors. I, that's I where we met. So I'm, glad, I'm I switched you switch majors. majors. Yeah, I, I was uh-huh. really smart about. What was your first part. major? Engineering. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, because I've been fucking with computers since I was eight, you know, yeah. like I, I mean, built, that makes more sense. Yeah. I've been building computers <laughs> since I was, I was. So why did you pick time. communication? Not to go off on a tangent. Because there were four women to every one guy. <laughs> and, and, and it worked out well. Oh, well look, That's I, why I wanted to go into marketing. But look, I had to survive. I didn't have a learning background. I didn't know. I was phonically dyslexic, which I found out as after, after I have had kids, which explains so much. I had to learn how to learn and I had to game the system to get through. And when I realized going after what I thought I was good at and basically failing at it, I had to pick something that I knew I could get through. And I thought about the degrees that were out there. And one of the things as a third culture kid, which is my father's Indian, my mother's Irish and I'm American and I can code switch very well and I could I, I've been in sales and I can I can bullshit, right? And I've thought about this. I'm like, what degree can I bullshit my way through? <laughs> Get communication fucked up because it's like half of your grade is getting up and presenting shit. 
and I can make my way through the other half of it, and I can I can I can struggle through this, but I think I can get through this. And there was four girls, the four women, and one guy, and um, and I thought, you know, my my dad would get behind this because everybody knew I was good with sales. And I had my first job when I was fifteen, so like everybody kind of got off my back by going into this, and I and I really liked the study. It wasn't really media; it was like communication study, which is why I actually use my degree. I actually love what I learned. And you have a podcast now. (laughs) And we're on a podcast Uh and I, you know, and I I still study communication. Like I have books in my audio books because I'm phonically dyslexic. They're like the birth of language. And Mm -hmm. I, I still am deeply involved in that. Where was the original piece? Well, I I was struggling. Like I wasn't, I, I was the black sheep. So this is like the background. So like when you have my background, the expectations are gone for mm. me, right? By 24 years old, I started my first business. I've failed three businesses. I've, I'm on my fifth business, <laughs> I think, like, you know, six, six. No, now this, yeah. my, the speaking business would be uh-huh. six, right? Like I'm the fixer of the family. Everybody comes to me when shit breaks down. I'm basically like the street kid. Like I, I wouldn't survive in corporate <laughs> America or a master's program in University of Chicago, the smart one. I am already out there. So for coming out through, and I'm estranged from my mother and I'm, I'm my, my father's crazy. Like I am like me and my brother are super tight, my stepbrother. And I'm, I had no issue. They yeah. would, they would just be like, Marty's crazy. Yeah. Just fits that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Done deal. Like you were saying before, there's layers of coming out or sharing your truth. So the layers are not just sharing with immediate family and friends. Then there's another layer of sharing publicly, which I heard you say, Kyle, earlier that you you alluded to the fact that you were living two lives. And I remember being in Brazil and the life that I was living and the life, let's call it my digital life or the life that I was representing online seemed like the chasm was bigger and bigger every day. And so now, I, I don't have that experience. I felt like that. I know. Mm-hmm. But so this is this has also been said to me by my my partner as well is like. And I have a lot of people say this, like, you live who you are, as crazy as that is. And so I don't have this discrepancy. Uh, so I don't have an online <laughs> version or a, with my client mm-hmm. version or a with public version that's different than the version that I believe I am. We've talked about that before because it was why you didn't understand that I felt like I was wearing a mask. And I yeah. felt this my entire life. So and I'm more in that camp. <laughs> yeah. So being the good girl than I was growing up and going to school, and this is maybe where it's really relevant to share our past backgrounds and why you were the black sheep and how you lived your life because how I was li- how I always lived my life up until now was I had two sides. I had the side of me that was going to school and got really good grades and I participated a lot, but then I was testing out pot and mushrooms in high school and doing all this other stuff and smoking, but I just knew I knew how to separate those. And so I've always led this double life and I, I felt was always exposed. Yeah. And you were always, open. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I kind of know what I have to do. It's like playing by two different rules. It's like, this is what the older generation society needs me to be out here, but then this is when I'm going to test out. And, and that, that, that was not fun. I remember hearing repeatedly so many times throughout throughout maybe the last two decades, as people would get to know me, they'd be like, whoa, I thought you were totally different. In fact, they would meet you, Marty, and go, holy shit, I didn't, like, I thought I knew who you were, but you're married to Marty. So, whoa, I don't, I feel like I don't even know you <laughs> because they would meet I'm me. That crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm like trying to hold up this good image of myself. And then they meet Marty and they're like, what the 
fuck, how do they overlap? And of course, like you represent for me, Marty, you represent that desire that I have always had to just live life out loud, to be like, whatever, here's me. I don't give a shit. This is just me. And I feel like now, just now I'm 40. (laughs) Those two, I've taken off the mask and I feel like I'm living, I'm living an aligned life. I'm living authentically. authentically. I'm being and sharing my truth. Yeah. Which is what I, when Anthony Bourdain died and when Robin Williams died, I don't cry very often, but I cried hard for like days. And I, I kept asking myself, why? Why did these deaths affect me? And it's because I believe we lost authentic voices in the mm. world and we have so few. And mm-hmm. these are the people that I I adore because I feel quite often so frustrated by mm-hmm. everybody's masks. Mm-hmm. You know, so for me, it's like I've lived exposed and I've gotten all of the arrows yeah. that come with that. And yeah. so for me, coming out wasn't really a big deal. Coming out for you guys, you guys coming out was more of a threat than me coming out for myself. Because mm-hmm. I told you, oh, I'll do it back when we get to Chicago in a few months. And I always set expectations mm-hmm. and then I under-promise and over-deliver. <laughs> and I, like, I think it was like a week later or two weeks later, I'm on the phone with my dad and my stepmom. I'm, we're talking logistics. I'm like, oh, and by the way, I'm polyamorous now. You know what that means? This is what that means. Open up a relationship. It's all good. Kids are great. We're fine. You have any questions? Write them down because you're probably in shock. We'll talk about them later. <laughs> like, oh, just oh. rip the Band-Aid off. <laughs> oh, that's another point. And to, your, to both of your points, people, when they usually hear, it's, it is shock. Because then if they haven't been exposed to this concept, they have no fucking clue what to even ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, it, like you said, Kyle, it comes up later where they, then they think about it and then... Then they'll ask questions and then they should voice their concerns. Like that's another one that comes up. You know, are you bi now? Are you gay now? Are you like in a relationship with Kyle? And I have to explain this whole thing Mm -hmm. and then explain that we're not. That This is like, and we didn't have the words metamor at the time. Like like 15 words to explain that. And, Mm -hmm. and, (laughs) you know, the experience later, I I believe all my father and stepmom says, as long as you're okay. Mm. Right. And they now accept my partner. They accept Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I have conversations with my dad right now that are great. And like he I'm like, Dad, you know, this is another thing I said to my dad. I'm like, you know how you and mom are cheating on each other? Right. And it's all fucked up and you're hiding everything. It's like, remember when mom was fucking your best friend? Right. And you're still friends with him now. But, you know, it was fucked up then. Right. Think about it if it was just allowed. <laughs> like, Did he get it? He's like sitting there for a minute. And I'm like, yeah. yeah like, there's a certain point where he's just like, okay, I concede. But he's Indian. So he's like, okay, I concede. But I was, yeah, I was thinking more about that concept of the double life. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's having a double life, but then there's just denying that other side of you. Mm. And that's kind of where just the full mask is on and you're not even, you're not even having a double life. I think a double life is a privilege compared to mm. completely denying it. Oh, wow. Yeah. That makes wow. me sad too. Yeah. That makes me suffer when I see yeah. people that are, that are hiding and are like unclear that they're hiding. And yeah. like the, I listen to a lot of people painting this, this horrific picture of what it would be like to not be hiding. And I'm like, wow, it's not really that bad. Like, I've been sitting in the crosshairs for a while here <laughs> and like, it's sometimes difficult, but at the end of the day, like I, I say it all the time, you have to be honest once. Yeah. Right. And you have to hide for and maintain that shit forever. Yeah. And I think 
for me, I probably fell more on the side of not even really having a double life, but just having different, I created different characters and I had different masks that I would mm. wear and I would change masks over time and, but it still would be a mask, right? And mm. it was still a new character that was created to not be me. Mm. And I think for me, this whole process, especially the process that began in us being public about everything and then a podcast on top of that has been a practice of me mm. not putting the mask on because yeah. I can't, I won't let myself mm -hmm. and continuing to put myself out there and it continues to attract really great people, really authentic people, mm -hmm. really open and supportive mm -hmm. and incredible people. And I talk about this all the time about the new <laughs> friends I have through Emory, which are just, I, it's like it fills up my heart mm. um, but it also repels a lot of negative people that maybe didn't have a place in my life they didn't deserve one and mm. I think I'm coming to terms with you know long long friendships that I've had to let go mm. and there are people that they may not have deserved my a part of my heart mm. a part of you know they didn't deserve my friendship mm. and letting that go and moving forward and yeah. And taking what is coming, you know, mm -hmm. taking what's coming to me and to us, I think is a lot of really good, good stuff. Yeah. I love that you say it's, a, I'll use the words, a practice of vulnerability, because that's one thing I've noticed as we travel and meet new people all the time is there's always a moment. There's always the moment where I'm like, okay, do I share? Do I not share? There's times when Kyle and I are just traveling by ourselves and we're, doing things. And then I realized if I'm talking about our travels, then I have to, if I decide not to share, then I'm not talking about Marty or my kids. And, and then I feel like there's so much effort in trying to, to maintain that. And so it is, as you joke around, it is getting a lot easier to just share, like to just Sometimes I like to see people struggle. It's <laughs> <But that laughs> like for the fun of it. For me, I'm still practicing being vulnerable like this. But I think and, even, you know, tell maybe talk about like talking to my mom about marty and, and talking to my mom about your kids and i think for me that yeah. kind of like hit me in a way of just being like oh yeah that that's huge for you to be able yeah. to do that and like you've wanted that you've you want to show my family that part of your yeah. life because like the full picture is not complete can yeah. i jump on that sure yeah. because when i met my partner she was so confused because number one, it's mostly Spanish on her side, mostly English on my side. <laughs> okay. But I was talking about Megan and my kids so much and in such a loving way that she didn't understand my energy towards her as well until it was like this aha moment where it's like I finally like translated that this is an open. I have permission yeah. to be pursuing her and to have this connection. And it's just like clicked for her and she's like I, I think it was more powerful for her it, it was important for me mm -hmm. that i'm not coming in any, under any false pretenses yeah. like i don't want to be like whoops and by the way i have this mm -hmm. open relationship yeah. and i love my family and i love megan and i love my kids yeah. like like if it's not going to work out of the gate then yeah then it's like my mom going to be there yeah likes megan welcomes her yeah to spend time with us but also welcomes the truth, the full truth mm -hmm. in her in her whole life. So I yeah. I feel like that could be a whole other episode talking about meeting family and yeah, that whole process. I remember being so nervous meeting your family. So I met your siblings first 
And there was a moment I was like laughing at myself going like, oh yeah, I did that. That's, that's like full me. Uh, do you remember the yeah. time in the kitchen Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where I think it was the first time I met them and I just, it was so important to me that they knew how much I loved you because yeah. this was so different. And I remember you into the bathroom. I've never had any woman or girl do anything <laughs> so wait, like wait. that. And that's why I was like, I, that's why I love, I love that's that. Why I love she's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> so it's Kyle, just a Megan thing. It's just a me thing. Yeah. Kyle walks to the bathroom at some point And I'm like, I just want to let you guys know, I love your brother so much. He means so much to me. And I know that this is so different. But it's, I really, really, really want you to know how much I care for him. And that like that I was, was in the they room were looking though. at you. No, room. were you? Yeah. 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 Oh, I felt like you had walked out or I no, when you walked out, when you went to the bathroom, then I said again, I'm like, if you have any questions you can ask, <laughs> I know that this is really weird because they didn't ask any questions. Yeah, yeah. But I know it's so hard when they're just like trying to wrap their head around it. There's no questions to ask. But yeah, yeah, you were there. Oh yeah. and then I and then I got all nervous and flushed. And I'm like, I just had to I just had to say that. A couple but, of things to add to that is like you guys often and please, if you're going to come out and you have this kind of trifecta thing coming out and there's a partner like me in the mix, you guys sometimes ambush me with mm. you just went and did shit. Or you like, hey, by the way, my brother and sister are hanging out on the rooftop and oh, your brother's town. Yeah. And my, like, we're going to hang out. I'm like, <laughs> she is the coordinator of the ambushes. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah. You're right. But like, like I'm, now, I'm, now awoke, I'm not now awoken. Yeah. Consent. Yeah. Yeah, consent. 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 Like all partners sure. need to start getting comfortable before you just yeah. fucking shout it from the rooftops because yeah. you're like putting other ones into shock. Yeah. And I didn't understand your wound around family. And I think, again, these are things I've had to learn mm-hmm. or over time. And, and that's, again, why this relationship is so important. And if we could go back and do it any other way, it would be to understand these things better well your your family that i've met so far have been amazing Mm -hmm. and i I have no problems with that but i think meeting anyone's family with so much of my own family and her family hating me it's like i i struggle with family in general but i didn't understand that. yeah Mm -hmm. i mean and you and you can see why oh i know you how could you right you can't (laughs) can't empathize in my chaos one other thing i don't want to forget about is coming out to children Mm. because we got this today in one of our posts on Instagram where they're like, how do you come out to an eight-year-old? Because we have four-year-olds or three-year-olds mm-hmm. and, and we've just normalized it and mm-hmm. normalized love. And we've explained that mommy loves Kyle and Mark and, and daddy loves his partner. And we slowly showed affection mm-hmm. over time and, and explained, you know, like as much as they ask and mm-hmm. we were always honest with them. And I think, you know, my advice was you have to find someone who has eight-year-olds and has done this yeah, because I can't yeah. give advice to that per mm-hmm. se. But I can tell you from a kid that grew up in a family that lied to them that I would much rather prefer being told the truth. And yeah. kids are surprisingly good at being told the truth. And surprisingly adaptable. Again, I can't relate. I, I just know what I've read because I have read more online about other people's experiences in sharing with their kids that are a little bit older, that the kids actually take it much, much easier. It's like, oh yeah, of course, like, of course you can love. And even, even one of our patrons recently explained to her 11 year old son and, and just, he's like, understands like oh just mom is loved mom is loved like that's kids nowadays are a lot more woke yeah and what would kids want like (laughs) you know the quantum physicist that we were just listening to the podcast so Mm -hmm. he had this hilarious comment that he goes around and he talks to people about what he's you know studying and researching 
And he goes into classrooms and kids get quantum physics better than adults. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Because they don't have all the paradigms and the mm -hmm. ways of thinking. Context. Yeah, they, they have a, like a loose and open mind, which really quantum physics requires. <laughs> and so certain people wow. gravitate towards it and yeah. kids grasp it really, really well, he said. Yeah. It doesn't matter the socioeconomic backgrounds. He said everybody, every kid across the board gets it because they have an open wow. inquiring, That's you know, curious mind. And, and I think that goes to, to the same, the yeah. same theme here. It's just, I think back to your point about normalizing it, normalizing love and creating, creating that space for, for kids, having the open conversation and yeah, <laughs> no I, doubt I'm gonna, the adults I'm are. I'm something from my perspective, my personal perspective, not a therapist, not, I would say that if a child that you come out to is a super negative reaction to this, something else is going on mm. and that kids are already suffering. Mm -hmm. And if this is a threat, they're already not safe. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's something else that you need to investigate. And there's something else that, that needs to be brought up. And that kid needs attention and mm -hmm. positive attention mm -hmm. because yeah, it's like, I, I was pretty much a latchkey kid from like nine on. I didn't have attention. If I did, it was negative, mm. right? So uh, my dad and I really built more of a relationship after I got, uh, got out of the house. And I think really it's important to me that if, you're, if, if you do come out to a kid, that you take responsibility for the pretext that the kid may have had mm. uh, if they react negatively. And I'm not a poly parent yet or, mm. or at this mm -hmm. time, but, you know, when people bring this topic up, a lot of times they don't think about what is the thing that makes the parents happiest? What is the, mm -hmm. the way of loving, the how of loving that makes the parents happiest? And why don't we prioritize that? Yeah. And what, what, what else are we so worried about? Yeah. And, and I would just leave it at that. That's a question. I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit because one of the questions that we get asked if and when we share that we're in a polyamorous relationship structure is people are like, well, what about the kids? How do they, how do they act? And I, it drives me a little crazy because <laughs> if somebody happened to share, well, like, oh, we're in the bad relationship or we're going to stay together for the kids. Nobody at that point is asking, well, how, do, how is that affecting the kid? Because those are the kids that need the support. If like, you're in a terrible if you're divorce, in a no shitty, one's like, how are your kids? No, yeah, right? Yeah, Nobody yeah. asks if you should. And then it just drives me crazy. It's like, hey, I'm the happiest I've ever been. I have so much love and everything's working. Then they're going to ask about how are the kids? My oh, favorite meme. drives me my crazy. My favorite meme on like poly, Backwards. different poly pages on Instagram is mm -hmm. the one that where, where someone's like, how do your kids handle your polyamory? And it's like, how do your kids handle your monogamy, Becky? And I don't know why Becky said that. <laughs> right? But like, it's, it is exactly how it is. Like, do your kids think about your monogamous relationship? No. Yeah. And is it questioned? Like if people are in a bad relationship, is anybody going like, Hey, you know, I've heard a lot of people come out and be like, come out to their are, kids and the kids are like, okay, that's great. Can I go play? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Kids like, are I'm absorbing done. love and energy. Uh -huh. yeah. And so think about those things. Yeah. Okay, I am coming to realize more and more that exposure is key. And I know I've brought this up. I brought it up on Instagram, bringing it up multiple times here because the reason for us sharing and continuously sharing our relationship structure 
is to normalize it, is to make room. It's just to make room to say, this is a possibility. And as we travel around the world and I, we go to some small town places and we realize that the way of thinking or looking at life is so, so myopic and so small. It's not, I don't blame people. I don't blame we could call it ignorance, but it's not. It's just lack of exposure. Ignorance is just lack of exposure to different ideas, different ways of living, different things out there. So this is my little soapbox on why we will continue, why we have this podcast, why we'll keep talking about it is just exposing because well, that's our education. Social education happens through exposure. I think that's the fuel from our audience that we get is I feel now almost a responsibility to have these conversations in public. Mm -hmm. And we were talking Kyle on the way back. I'm like, I don't, I think I really underestimated how raw and open these conversations are for people because mm -hmm. like in my world, no masks, <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> everybody all the time. Right. Like I, I don't really hide, like I'm goofy in a grocery store. Like I, I can be abrasive or smooth or whatever, mm -hmm. anywhere. I really have to out. say, Marty, what are you really doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever had to ask you that. I don't <laughs> miss words. Yeah. But I think, I, I think you know, I feel a responsibility and mm -hmm. I feel privileged to be yeah. able to do this. Yeah, I feel like if you have a topic out there that you want us to talk about because you need it talked about, mm. hit us. Cause yeah. like, or don't hit us. But. Well, hit us with it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's try and be hit. hitting anyone. <laughs> 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 we're 40 we're not hip <laughs> he's looking at me like yourself. <laughs> he does have a good style I'm going Benjamin on <laughs> he's got a really sexy style going on yeah. he's in a tank top he's got his tattoos showing he's got his like new haircut slick back yeah looking good looking thank good. you babe. yeah bunch of hotties <laughs> Kyle's blue eyes are popping with his blue shirt it's very nice I'm I'm wearing Kyle's shirt <laughs> Is that my shirt? This is oh, totally your shirt. Uh, anyway, final comments. Final comments. Well, when you were just talking, I was thinking about exposure. And we've been in now, what, 13 countries mm -hmm. over the last year. And to think about the exposure that we've created for other people on this journey that mm -hmm. we've been on. And who knows where it's going to continue to go to. And who who knows the effects of what what it's been. But I think when we think about all the people that we've met, all the lives that we've touched, all the conversations that we've had, there's already an incredible impact that mm -hmm. the three of us and the four of us rather that have created just from traveling, yeah. being ourselves, living our life. This podcast is an incredible platform, but there's also the the journey that we've been on physically around mm -hmm. the world. And yeah, there's, there's so much we've learned and so many people that we've talked to. And I think, I think we've left a, an imprint on on their lives mm, to keep it beautiful. really relevant to the news we're like a positive coronavirus <laughs> <laughs> dropping pebbles in ponds and seeing the ripples hit seeing right? the ripples out I'm somewhere like, like every plane we're on someone becomes poly I gotta share. Oh, some of our patrons, our patrons are beautiful, beautiful, beautiful friends here. They shared a story, their own recent coming out story. One of them shared with their mother, yeah, right? Mom. mom, about being polyamorous. And what did she say? She said, What medication is she taking for that? <laughs> what medication? Uh, what medication do you have to take if you're polyamorous? Really but wait, wait, wait. Tell, wait, wait. I'm not done though. I wanted, I wanted to finish you my finished. side. Okay. Mine was also. I apologize. Go. But to piggyback off of Kyle's, is like what I think people don't realize too is that when we travel, you've, we've found poly communities already existing in a lot of these places. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that meet us in their own country are like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm like, no, there's a community here. Mm-hmm. Right. And the community is amazingly giving. Like you found us. Oh, shout out bags. to the New Zealand polyamorous group. I, you guys are incredible. Yeah. Incredible. I, I was like, you have places to stay. Yeah. They offered places to stay, <laughs> sleeping bags. Like we're going to this other woofing opportunity. I'm like, shit, we need sleeping bags. Hit them up. They got it. And I just, I feel like, yeah, this There's a whole other experience awaiting yeah. us in New oh. Zealand. And, and if you can't wait, if you're coming out and you feel alone, uh, that's a fallacy. You're not alone yeah. and you're not going to to lose a community. You may lose some people, but you're going to gain a community. Yeah. And this community is built yeah, on some sure. really strong values. Totally. And I think the reason we're getting so much love and care is because there's this trust of transparency yeah. and honesty and, and respect. And, mm-hmm. and you have to do a lot of work on yourself to maintain in this and be successful in this space. And I feel like that it's, it's instantly recognized and that community is strong. It is. And we love connecting with people. We love talking to them. We love the, you know, the authentic sharing and vulnerability that we're getting from people. And yeah, it's, it's incredible. I don't even think of this podcast as a a vulnerable share because people are are always coming to us. Like they've already, they already know us. And, Mm. and really in a way, if they're, they're listening, they do. And yeah, it's it's been a really cool experience in that way to to just connect with people and they already know so much about us. And in other news, we are upgrading this polyamorous podcast experience to the fact that we're probably going to shoot a documentary, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm we have a Hollywood producer friend, and we're starting our process in Brazil, and there uh, will likely be some sort of Indiegogo or Kickstarter type of mm-hmm. campaign, and we're gonna we're gonna shoot a podcast. We're gonna shoot a uh, documentary on this and I think bring it to a larger audience in another format. I'm worried. Does the camera really add 10 pounds? <laughs> Depends on the going to ask. No, 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 no. Five kilos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it matters. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're seven out. You say that and my stomach again goes dunk, dunk. <sighs> yeah. Which yeah. means we have to do it. I kind of, I kind of did that on purpose. I know. Thank you. It's like, put it out there. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful humans. Um, yeah, this was an honor. And we, we are there with you, whether or not you're out or not, sharing your truth, speaking your truth, or want to, you've got, let us be the, this is so cheesy, the wind beneath your wings. Can the we be the super fucking cheesy. <laughs> This is why you're not hip. This yeah. is why I never said I never said I was like hip. Ever. All right. Ever. Okay. Follow us on Insta. We love you. Right. Follow us on Insta. Share us on Insta. Ask us questions. F- become patrons. Like. Thanks for listening to another episode of Amory. If you found value in this, it sparked a conversation with you and your partner or partners, you found better inquiries for yourself, you got some insights, you felt some growth, or you just like hearing us talk, I encourage you to check out our Patreon page. And if you have the means, subscribe. We have levels that are just $2, like you're buying us a cup of coffee every month. Or perhaps you can afford to buy us a lunch at a cheap location for 10 bucks a month. Or you can go all in on a dinner, whatever it is. We'd love to have your support. We'd love to be able to continue this conversation ongoing uh, and really bring love into the world because that's what it's all about. So if you like it and you have the means and you feel so inclined, please check it out. We appreciate you. We love you. Love more. Be well.
You can find our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Amory Podcast. The link is in the show notes. Thanks again.